0: At Judges um, six and seven with you today. I'm not going to read all of Judges six and seven, but um, but Judges six and seven is about its story of Gideon. So Gideon, um, he's this guy who is stuck in his wine press um, threshing out the wheat because he's afraid of the Midianites and the other eastern armies. They've all Come into Israel, they've been like really um, having a go at the Israelites. They've like really um, they've taken away from them all the things that, that would cause them to be fruitful. So when the Israelites have planted their crops or, or a time of harvest or anything like that, the Midianites would come and they would just raid the land. And they would kill, steal, kill, and destroy anything that the Israelites had. So all their crops would be destroyed, and their animals would get killed or get stolen or destroyed. And, and the Israelites were suffering under this kind of um, oppression for about seven years. They turned away from God, and they, God wasn't really their God. They weren't really worshipping God as their God. And, but God turned up to Gideon because he loved his people. He saw the oppression that they were under. He saw the struggles that they were going through. Everything that they had, they were just losing constantly. And God saw that, and he loved his people, even though they had rejected him and turned away from him. So he gave them away. He gave them away. He he came to Gideon, and he said to Gideon, Gideon, I am going to save this people. I'm going to save your people. I'm going to save my people, and I'm going to do that through your hands, Gideon. Now Gideon, this guy who um, spent quite a bit of time in the wine press, freshening out the wheat because he's afraid. I mean, that must have been really hard work doing the wheat in the wine press because the wine press isn't really for wheat, is it, really? So that was hard work. It made it hard work. But he was afraid that that the, the Midianites would steal even the little that he had. And God turned up in that place and said to him, I'm going to save Israel through you. Now, Gideon, he was like, a bit like, okay, so if you're going to save Israelites through my hands, then then God, I need you to prove it to me. I need you to show me a sign. And so he puts this fleece out. So you probably, some of you will probably know the story quite well, but Gideon puts this fleece out and he says to God, God, if what you say is true and you are going to save Israelite in my hand, then this fleece will be wet by the morning, but the ground around it will be dry. Now, how many of us will hear the word of the Lord and say, God, if it's true, then send me a sign. Send me a sign. You know, that's okay. God is good, isn't he? You know, God saw what Gideon was asking, and he gave him what he wanted. He made the fleece wet, the ground dry. But that wasn't enough for Gideon. Gideon was like... I know, God, you showed me that, but please give me another sign. This time, if the fleece is dry, but the ground is wet, then I really, 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 really will believe, I really will believe that you will save Israel with my hands. So that night, he gets up in the morning, and the fleece was dry, and the ground was wet. God is so good to us. When we're afraid, he doesn't mock us. But he's there with us and he answers us, he answers our cry. So Gideon gathers this army together. And this is where I want to pick the story up in Judges 7. And I'm going to read all of Judges 7. So bear with and read along. It will be on the slides as well. So Judges 7, verse 1. Early in the morning, Jeroboam, that is Gideon, and all his men camped at the spring of Harod. The camp of Midian was north of them in the valley near the hill of Morah. The Lord said to Gideon, you have too many men. I can't deliver Midian into their hands or Israel will boast against me. My own strength has saved me. Now announce to the army, anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gideon. So 22,000 men left while 10,000 remained. But the Lord said to Gideon, there are too many men. Take them down to the, river, to the water and I will thin them out for you there. If I say, this one shall go with you, he shall go. But if I say, this one shall not go with you, he shall not go. So Gideon took the men down to the water. There the Lord told him to separate Those who lap the water with their tongues as a dog laps from those who kneels down to drink. 300 of them drank from cupped hands, lapping like dogs. And all the rest got down on their knees to drink. And the Lord said to Gideon, with the 300 men that lapped, I will save you and the Midianites. I will save you and give the Midianites into your hands. Let all the others go home. So Gideon sent the rest of the Israelites home, but kept the 300 who took over the provisions and trumpets of the others. Now the camp of Midian lay below him in the valley. During that night, the Lord said to Gideon, Get up, go down against the camp, because I am going to give it into your hands. If you are afraid to attack, go down to the camp with your servant, Purah, and listen to what they are saying. Afterwards, you will be encouraged to attack the camp. So he and Purah, his servant, went down to the outpost of the camp. The Midianites, the Amalekites, and all the other eastern peoples had settled in the valley, thick as locusts. The camels could no more be counted than the sand on the seashore. Gideon arrived just as a man was telling a friend his dream. I had a dream, he was saying. A round loaf of barley bread came tumbling into the Midianite camp. It struck the tent with such force that the tent overturned and collapsed. His friend responded, This can be nothing other than the sword of Gideon, son of Joash, the Israelite. God had given the Midianites and the whole camp into his hands. When Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, he bowed down and worshipped. He returned to the camp of Israel and called out, Get up, the Lord has given the Midianite camp into your hands. Dividing the 300 men into three companies, he placed trumpets and empty jars in the hands of all of them with torches inside. Watch me, he told them, follow my lead. And when I get to the edge of the camp, do exactly as I do. When I and all who are with me blow our trumpets, then from all around the camp, blow yours and shout for the Lord and for Gideon. Gideon and the hundred men with him reached the edge of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch, just after they had changed the guard. They blew their trumpets and broke the jars that were in their hands. The 300 companies blew the trumpets and smashed the jars, grasping the torches in their left left hand and holding in their right hands the trumpets they were to blow. They shouted, a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. While each man held his position round the camp, all the Midianites ran, crying out as they fled. And when the 300 trumpets sounded, the Lord caused the men throughout the camp to turn on each other with their swords. The army fled to Beth Shittah towards Zerarah, as far as the border of Abel, Meholah, near Tabath. Israelites from Naphtali, Asher, and all Manasseh were called out, and they pursued the Midianites. Giddon sent messengers throughout the hill country of Ephraim, saying, Come down against the Midianites and seize the waters of the Jordan ahead of them, as far as Beth Barah. So all the men of Ephraim were called out, and they seized the waters of the Jordan, as far as Beth Barah. They also captured two of the Midianite leaders, Oreb and Zeb. They killed Oreb at the rock of Oreb, and Zeb at the winepress of Zeb. They they pursued the Midianites and brought the heads of Oreb and Zeb to Gideon, who was by the Jordan. Wow. Well done for staying with me, that story. It's a brilliant story, isn't it? What a powerful, amazing story. God told Gideon that he had too many soldiers. God wanted the Israelites to have no doubts in their mind whatsoever that he was going to be the one that delivered Israel. So he would have still used the 32,000 men to help Israelite beat the the army. But they would have just seen that as their own strength. They would have seen that as themselves doing that. But God wanted them to have no doubt that it was was because of God's love, faithfulness and justice. And his passion for his people was the reason why they were saved and rescued. 2 Corinthians 12, 9-10 says this. Can you imagine actually delighting yourself in your struggles and your weaknesses? Because it's actually an opportunity for the Lord to reveal himself. It's not our being perfect or having it all together that brings glory to God. But it's our ability to rely and trust in him. Gideon was in such a position of weakness and he was afraid. But God saw how afraid he was, and he said to him, um, "I want to encourage you, Gideon, I can see that you are afraid." But, but I want you to be encouraged and see that I am with you. And that's when he, he heard this dream and interpretation of the dream. And it was, it was that, that God was going to surely give over the Midianite army over to him. And when he heard that, he knew and he was encouraged and he was built up. You know, when we hear the prophetic... It can shift our thinking and we can start believing in the things that God has spoken to us. The promises that he's given to us when we hear the prophetic. When we read the word of God, when we read this Bible, it can really build us up and we can see stories and things in that. The promises of God, the word of God. We can see all of that in that and we speak to our situations and we can remind ourselves that in our weakness. In our times of struggle, in the times when everything just seems so hard and difficult, he is our strength. He will turn up. He will be glorified. He will be the one that will just help us and strengthen us and give us what we need. Can you imagine being one of the 300 men? How afraid they must have been. So they, they turned up saying, yes, I'll be in this army. And there's 32,000 men. And suddenly now there's three of 300 of them. And now they're going off to battle. And they just must be so scared. And they're thinking, yes, we're going to go and do this now. And then what do they get handed? A trumpet and a torch. And it's like, oh, OK. So this is how I'm going to fight this battle. See, God turned up in their insignificance and weakness and defeated the enemy. And God used the sound of the trumpet and the smashing of the torches to confuse the enemy who then turned on each other. Do you know, I wonder if um, Gideon remembered something from his past, from his history, from the people that, that went before him, because... The way that the Israelites took the land that they were now living in was through trumpets and blasts of trumpets and shouts of praise. In Josh, we can read about this in Joshua six, verse twenty. It says, "When the trumpet sounded, the army shouted, and the sound of the trumpet." And at the sound of the trumpet, when the men gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed. So everyone charged against it and the city and took the city. The people of God took the land God promised to them from giants with shouts and trumpets. I wonder if that's what reminded Gideon. I wonder if he thought of that and thought, this is how we're going to do it. You know, when we remember how God has moved before, when we hear testimonies and words of how God has really moved us and shifted us, and when we've seen provision, when we've seen people getting saved, when we've seen healings, and and when we talk about those things, we can remember, well, God did it then, so he can do it again. You know, we remind ourselves of the word of God. If God did it then, he can do it again. It's important that when we read these stories of victory in the Bible, that we are encouraged that God fights our battles. And we'd be encouraged to stand firm. When we understand that these stories are not to encourage us to, to have actual wars and fight actual people, but these are to encourage us about spiritual battles that going on. Ephesians 6 verse 12 says this, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Our struggle in this world is not against flesh and blood, Our fight is not against neighbouring countries, our family members, our wife, our husband, kids, siblings, parents. It's not against the the people that we work with or or those who bully us or undermine us or the mean-spirited person who keeps causing us trouble. Our battle is not against them but against the evil forces who will manipulate any circumstance and situation to cause us trouble and hardship you know when we understand that and see that and believe that do you know how easy it is to forgive someone who causes us harm when we think to ourselves, this is a way that the enemy can really, really um, just manipulate the situation to cause me trouble and hardship and pain and discomfort. When I see how, how someone is being mean-spirited, then I can just go to God and I say, God, um, by the power of your Holy Spirit, let me let this go. Let me forgive. Because, Lord God, this battle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against principalities in the heavenly realms. You know, and, um, and that's how we beat. That's how we win the battles. We don't go up against the people that's causing us pain, but we go against the enemy. You know, if you really struggle and you think the enemy is closing in on you maybe nothing is going right in your finances or your health no your heavenly father will respond to you when you come to him with humility when you come to him with your hearts open and you just say god i'm just really struggling right now right now father i just need you father you see everything that i'm going through You see the sickness in my body or the sickness in my friends and my family. You see the the struggles with their mental health. Lord God, you see all these different things that are going on. Lord God, we just come against that. By your blood, your precious blood. And we just say, by the power of the Holy Spirit, you break those forces. You break the schemes and the plans of the enemy right now, in Jesus' name, in those situations. You know, we can come to God. God is there waiting to receive us and to listen to us and hear what it is that we, we want to bring to him. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Um, Some of the um, enemy soldiers, um, they were fleeing and they ran to the river, the River Jordan. See, this battle... um, that we read about, I've just read to you in Judges seven. There's something really significant about this spiritually for us. So even though we read it, and it was a, it was an account in history that actually happened, it speaks to us, It speaks to us as something spiritual, something of significance. Now, when the at the. The battle happened, and some of the guys all just fled and ran off. Some of them ran to the river, to the River Jordan, to to cross over. And I was thinking, well, maybe if they'd crossed over, then, well, I wonder what would have happened if they crossed over. But the the Israelite army, they seized the river, and they stopped them, and they got there ahead of them, so they couldn't cross, they couldn't get away, because I wondered that if they did cross over, whether they would have been able to go over and get another army, or come back even worse than before and and really really have a real good go at the israelites but the israelites got there at the river just in time before they crossed over and now the significance of this that i really that god really spoke to me when i was reading this passage was that that the enemy did not get across that river the israelites got there before them and stopped them from crossing over you know there's something significant about water baptism that when we get baptized in water it's like this is a line this river like the river of jordan where where the israelites got there ahead of them so they couldn't cross over there's something about the baptism of water it draws a line it says the enemy can go this far and no more when we get baptised in the water, it's like us going through and we get to the other side of the River Jordan where we are cut off from the schemes of the devil, the schemes of the evil one. All the shame and the guilt that has, has kept hold of us, that has locked us in, is cut off the moment we get baptised in water. You know, baptism in water is, is our way of being free. We are cut off from the schemes of the enemy. You know, when um, the Israelites got to the River Jordan and they stopped the Midianites from crossing over, it was like saying, we are now free from the the oppression of this army. We are now free from the oppression of this enemy. We are cut off from them and they are not going to cross over. You know, in um, Acts 2, verse 38, encourages, it says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Baptism in water, it has a spiritual significance to our Christian walk. I don't know, so many of us, uh, for so many reasons, we we put off getting baptised in water or we don't get baptised in water straight away. You know, it's never too late. If you've never been baptised in water... It's not too late for you to get baptized in water because this is a significant step for your Christian walk where you cut off the old and you start into something new. And something really powerful and significant about baptism of water is that it's It goes on all through our life. At one significant moment, we carry that power and significance of that one moment, that act, for the rest of our lives. For the rest of our lives, the enemy no longer has a hold over us. For the rest of our lives, our shame and our guilt is cut off completely. The water is where the Israelites claimed back their freedom. The enemies managed to get this far, but no further. It's only by our repentance and faith in Jesus that we cross the river the enemy cannot cross. And we claim our freedom in Christ Jesus from the moment we are baptized in water. So that's the water. What about the wine press? As you can see, I'm called water and the wine press, so I better get onto the wine press. <laughs> now, the two leaders that led the Midianite army, the army that tormented the people of God, was defeated at the rock of Orib and the wine press of Zeb. And it was actually named after those two guys. But Jesus is our rock he is our wine press yes. Jesus has defeated our enemies yes. Jesus has defeated our enemies Amen. it's Jesus that has defeated our enemies Amen. And it's in Christ Jesus that we claim our right to be fruitful. It's a place where we receive the abundance and the fruitfulness of God. So the, the, the wine press is where, where, when the wine press is fully functioning and working, there is a flow of wine that comes from it that, that signifies fruitfulness. This was a place that the Israelites claimed back their fruitfulness, their right to be fruitful and powerful in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit makes us powerful to stand against the evil schemes, not only in our lives, but in our world. You being baptized in the Holy Spirit, it builds you up. It gives you power, it gives you strength, it gives you all that you need to live this life as a a conqueror, victorious, but it gives all that you need to be an encouragement. It gives all that you need to bless others. It gives all that you need to advance the kingdom of God with righteousness and justice. Zechariah 4 verse 6 says, it's not by power or by might, but by my spirit. Says the, God, says the Lord of hosts. We can't do this with our own flesh and blood. Now Gideon was no match for the army. The 300 men with their torches and their trumpets, they were no match for the, for the Midianite army. It's only when we have the fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit are we a match for our enemy. And we are able to be strong, to live free, and to be fruitful. You know, you receive power. You can receive wisdom from the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Spiritual battles are won, and the kingdom of God is advanced by you pursuing the gifts of the Holy Spirit. You know, it's not enough to say I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. It's really important that you pursue the gifts of the holy spirit pursue the gifts of the holy spirit long for them desire them pray for them i say to god god fill me afresh let me know a fresh and filling of your holy spirit lord god what is it that you want to say right now holy spirit speak to me what prophetic word or insight or knowledge that i can bring into the situation that will just break down barriers that will break down doors that will set people free Holy Spirit, fill me afresh so that when I lay my hands on the sick, that they will be healed. Holy Spirit, have your way in my life because, Lord God, I want to be part of advancing your kingdom with righteousness and justice. Maybe we feel far from God. Maybe we haven't made him the king of our lives. Or other things in our lives have taken priority in our lives. You now, how a heavenly Father loves us passionately, and He has made a way for us to come back to Him and to be wholeheartedly for Him. Take a moment to think about how and what you are going through. Are you going through some kind of trouble? If you are afraid, God doesn't mock you. But he hears you and encourages you. It gives us his word. It gives us each other. It gives us his spirit. What might you be afraid of now? How might you feel fragile? Maybe there are things coming up for you that that you've never admitted to anyone. How might the coming to the water give you freedom? or reminding yourself of your water baptism and your faith in God give you comfort? How might having a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit right now give you strength and wisdom for perseverance? Could being part of a connect be an encouragement to you right now? We can come to the wine press who is Jesus. And ask him to baptize us into the Holy Spirit or to pour out his spirit afresh upon us. You know, if you've never been, if you've never asked to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, we can pray for you today to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. We need to eagerly desire and go after the gifts that empower us to encourage and love those in the world and in the church. The gifts that empower us to heal the sick. The gifts that empower us to build others up through words of knowledge and prophetic words. The gifts that empower us to fight our battles. We need to eagerly desire the gift of tongues so that we can build ourselves up in the spirit. The Holy Spirit that healed the sick, set captives free, split the sea, raised the dead, is alive today and lives in you by the power of the Holy Spirit. Having the power of God living in us means that we don't have to rely on our own strength and our own abilities. His power is never based on our abilities or our talents. He has given us the ability. He has put the ability in us to work through us mightily. And he reminds us that because of him, in our weakness, we are strong. Um, Do we have time to have us to sing? It would be good just to respond to whatever the Holy Spirit is like just provoking you in today or challenging you or encouraging you in today, that the Holy Spirit is speaking to each of us. He's always speaking to each of us. And all we have to do is open up our hearts and and our eyes to, to say, Holy Spirit, what is it that you are saying to us? Lord God, just fill us afresh. Lord God, have your way. Lord God, in us.